0: But one topic I know that they're not going to be uh, talking about on Law & Order uh, is the vocal, pervasive, and oftentimes crude and crass opposition to Justin Trudeau by everyday Canadians. So I watched Law & Order last night, but you may have watched last night's UFC fight, which was here in Toronto. You might have caught it on TV. You might have hopped on social media this morning. So you know that the crowd was none too happy with JT. Look, that kind of um, opposition, that that's, that's to me, that's crude and it's crass. It's not my cup of tea. But we've seen this script play out before. A big group gets together. They do or say something to demonstrate their disapproval of the government. And what follows is as certain as the sun rising in the east. There will be a certain type of journalist, a certain type of pundit, a certain type of politician who will look at that group and will tar and feather those people with predictable and lazy epithets. They will call them misogynists, racists, possibly homophobes, any and all manner of sin. But what those people probably won't do, and this will be to their detriment, is to look inward and ask themselves, why is this happening? What responsibility does the government bear in this dynamic? We were promised a government that would offer up evidence-based policies. Well, in this case, the evidence shows that Canada is angry about a lot of those policies. So what is Mr. Trudeau to do? I have a pretty unique perspective on this. Growing up in Ottawa, I witnessed truly toxic and abhorrent behavior directed at my dad and my mother, sometimes even us, the kids, from a lot of people, from journalists, respected journalists, politicians, everyday protesters. And it got to the point when I was a teenager that when a rumor started that my father might leave Canada, just up and leave his post as prime minister, And take over the leadership of the United Nations. A rumor, by the way, that was entirely baseless. I told my dad at the dinner table. I remember it as clear as day. I said, let's get the heck out of Dodge. Let's leave. You don't owe these people anything. And (laughs) I imagined living in a city where nobody knew us. And I had diplomatic immunity. Which meant I could park anywhere with impunity. And never get a ticket. Well, obviously that dream. That posting never came to pass. But my father... Never governed according to polls. And he accepted that the things that he was trying to do, the vision that he had for Canada, that was going to require making difficult decisions. It certainly wouldn't make people happy in the short term. I mean, it might not make people happy in the short term, but it would pay off in the long term. And where he went in the polls, up or down, that was par for the course. But he accepted that if people were angry, they were angry because of decisions he had made. And at least in my eyes, he never begrudged them their feelings. Now, this government has lost the ability for self-reflection and self-analysis, if they ever had it at all. They seem completely incapable of acknowledging the real pain Canadians are enduring on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't matter. If the liberals have caused that pain or if they if it simply looks like they've caused that pain, perception is reality. And for a PM who has built his brand on being kind and caring and empathetic, his stock position of repeating talking points about how he and his government have are and will continue to stand up for Canadians simply feels like disingenuous word salad cobbled together by a crisis management team that doesn't care about the everyday Canadian. When our prime minister went to Nunavut this week for a historic land transfer deal and essentially stated that the next election will be fought on the battlefields of green policies and reconciliation without saying a single word about affordability, housing, crime, diminished productivity, skyrocketing taxes and deficits, dwindling wages or Canada's diminished role in the world, he is telling the electorate that he is governing in a reality shared by no one. So my free advice to our federal government, don't do what you always do. Don't blame Canadian anger on what you believe to be moral failings on their part. This anger is real and it must be respected. And while we're at it, Pierre Poliev did not create this anger, nor is he amplifying it. I've heard that many times. I don't have any time for it. He is showing these people respect by giving voice to their frustrations. And contrary to what some of his opponents are saying, he is actually offering up in a meaningful way concrete solutions to some of those problems. Now, the wheels may very well fall off the Conservatives' growing bandwagon of support. It's unlikely, in my opinion, as this leader seems to foster discipline and respect from his caucus, which you need. You need everybody rowing in the same direction, and that direction looks like governing. It's also possible that the economy could improve and portions of this anger could subside naturally. But all indications, at least in my opinion, are that things are going to get worse before they get better. And unless the Liberal Party is willing to recognize their part in where Canada finds itself today, and more importantly, how Canadians feel about themselves and their country, then rude chance in a sports arena will be the least of Mr. Trudeau's worries.